Good morning once again. I've been asked to make an announcement, and that is this, that there's more people waiting to come in, and if we can somehow get a little cozier, just, get, just squeeze in just a little bit. If you are 20-something and you're sitting next to someone, that you're glad you're sitting next, this is your opportunity right now. Just, pastor told me to, just, just, just get a little closer. Awesome, thank you. I have to tell you, I, I absolutely enjoyed all the music this morning, the bells, the choir, the worship team. Uh, but I, I have to make a confession. I, I was standing right there, and I happened to uh, see something pretty cool. Uh, I, was, I, I was watching over here, and I noticed that there were two people uh, that were signing the songs because one of them is hearing impaired, right? And so they were signing the songs. And all I could help, I couldn't help but think but that, that the God, that is just as beautiful as the most beautiful voices that we're singing this morning. Don't you think so? So thank you for blessing me uh, by signing. That was fantastic. All right. So this happened uh, about 20 years ago. Uh, I was tossing and turning. I, I, I was starting to feel some pain in my stomach, uh, and it was just getting really bad, and, and it was just, my, my back was starting to hurt, and kept waking up, going to the bathroom, and hoping that would help, but no, and I just kept, and then I just finally woke up, and just got up, I was already awake, and I said, Nancy, I don't know what's going on, but I am in a lot of pain, and she says, you know, there's this great, uh, intense uh, stomach virus going on on campus. At the time, I was at Blue Mountain Academy. In fact, we shared the story just a few nights ago as we were visiting with some friends. Uh, they said, there is something going on that, you know, you're, you're, you probably have this intense stomach virus, and let me see what I can do. And so she goes to the dorm and gets whatever medication they were getting. She brings it to me and, and says, you know, try this, or I try that. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I said, Nancy, I'm actually crying. Now, I'm an adult, and I'm crying, and I go, honey, you got to get me to the hospital. She is driving me to the hospital, and as I'm going to the hospital, I'm actually thinking, I would just rather die. I mean, I'm okay with that right now. That's how bad the pain was. I just, just, God, this is a good time, you know, for you to come. This if there was a day for the second coming, this is it, Lord. Come now, you know. Or, or, or just, just put me out of my misery, you know. And Nancy's going, just, it's okay, Sergio. You're just you're overreacting, you know. You're, you know. you're such a baby. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. And I'm just, so she gets, to, she gets me to the hospital. We get to the emergency room. And I am just doubled over. They bring a wheelchair. They, I'm, I'm sitting in this wheelchair now, and I'm just crying crying, and Nancy says to the nurse, hey, listen, there's been a, a virus going on at the campus, and apparently it's hit my husband pretty hard, and she says, I've been giving him this, and she pulls out this medicine bottle out of her uh, purse, and the nurse looks at it, and she says, Fenegran? And, and Fenegran is a hormonal support for women, <laughs> and, and the nurse says, this is what you, and she goes, oh, no, 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 that's the wrong one, sorry. I'm sitting crying, and the nurse looks at my wife, and she says, he doesn't have a stomach virus. He, she says, 
I've, there's only one thing that I've ever seen make a grown man cry like that. Come on, you know what it is? Kidney stones. How many of you have had kidney stones? Look, you're even afraid to raise your hand, aren't you? Like, please don't remind me, right? Kidney stones. I was having these kidney stones. I mean, it wasn't until the morphine hit that everything was good. The world was fine again. And I remember the urologist visiting with me and saying, hey, listen, you know, let's see what we could do. Maybe you'll pass it, you know, this and that. And in fact, I'd, I'd, I'd go back and, and my friends would do these jokes, you know, it's okay, Sergio, this too shall pass, you know, that kind of stuff, you know. And then they would say things like, this is the closest thing for a man to give birth to a child. I didn't want to give birth to a child. If I was made to give birth to a child, God would have made me a woman, right? Because a woman can deal with that pain. I can't. I'm just being honest with you. I was just like, this is crazy. And then I ended up going through some stuff, and it's a long story that I don't have time to get into, but finally it, it, it didn't pass, and the pain came back, and the urologist says, you know, we're going to have to do surgery. I'm like, do whatever it takes. Just get this thing out of me. So they put me into the hospital, and they're prepping me for surgery. And In fact, the, the uh, conference president comes to see me, the conference treasurer. They had never come to see me. I'm thinking, this is really bad, right? So they come and see me. They sit down with me. They pray with me. And uh, then the urologist comes in, and I've got the IV in ready to go. And, and he says, okay, I'm going to be back in a few minutes, he says, and let me explain to you the procedure. And he goes on to talk about this extremely invasive, violating <laughs> procedure. And I'm sitting there going, you got to be kidding me. I'm actually waiting, like, which is worse? And I kid you not, I was like, can I go to the bathroom? And I go to the bathroom, I kid you not, they scared it right out of me, man. I was able to <laughs> pass it, it was gone, it was awesome, you know, because I didn't have to go through surgery and never had another episode like that again. How cool is that, right? So, so here's my point. How can something so small make such a huge impact on my life <laughs> that to this day, I remember it so clearly that I am so glad that I've not yet had another one and hopefully never will. I mean, it was so intense. How can this, have you ever said, it's just a small little thing? It's just a small little thing. If you are a guest here, I just want you to know we've been going through a series called Finding God in the Dark. That was a very dark time in my life, by the way. Finding God in the Dark. And today we're talking about a subject matter called addiction. Addiction is that darkness that starts off as bright as you think it, it can be. And it just slowly, little by little, gets darker and darker, and in fact, because you're experiencing addiction, you don't realize that it's getting darker and darker and darker until one day it's pitch black. And you're realizing that God needs to be found. That the only way out of it is to some experience with God. 
Some of you know my story. You know, I, I, I went through some times in my life. Last week I shared with you that uh, I had uh, an addiction that was uh, so ridiculous that I, I was willing to go and steal to get drugs. This is uh, pre-pastor times. And uh, in case you're a visitor here, like, whoa, <laughs> who's talking to us now, right? And, um, and I remember just, just how dark that experience was. And uh, there is a verse in the Bible that, that's pretty clear on how this works. It's actually found in Psalm, verse, uh, the first Psalm, beginning with verse 1. And it says this, Blessed is the one who does not walk in steps with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of of mockers. The psalmist says, blessed is the man that doesn't go through that progression, through that way that, that, that this sin transpires. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the steps of the wicked. In other words, the first thing is, I'm just going to walk by. I'm just going to walk by, and I'm just going to look. I'm just going to window shop. I'm just, I'm just walking. You know, that's it. I'm just walking. And then the next step, the psalmist says, and apparently this person knew very well what was going on with this idea of addiction. The next step says, and, and, and then you stand. So first you walk by, and then you stand in the way. Now maybe I'll just listen. Maybe I'll just linger just a little bit. I'll just stand. I'm not going to do anything. I walked by. I'm just going to stand now there and see what happens and then finally it says the very next thing that happens is you begin to sit in the company of mockers and you go from conformed to comfortable and this is when we are in total drift mode so we start by walking and then we stand and then we sit and we are there with them and then we wonder what happened because the progression was ever so slow and we didn't know what was going on? Listen, listen to me. No one sits down and plans to become an addict or to lead a, a life that is mediocre. No one walks into a bar and plans to become an alcoholic. No one opens the refrigerator late at night and resolves to eat habitually. No one sees an immodest picture one day and decides to be a slave to porn. No one tells just one white lie and then finds themselves drowning in the sea of deception. No one walks out of a store realizing they haven't paid for something and they decide, you know what, I'm too embarrassed to go back, only to find themselves in the grips of kleptomania. No one gets a credit card just to get, build some credit and then ends up being addicted to debt for the rest of their lives. No one listens in on the conversations and decides to be hooked on gossip. No one gets religious and plans to become self-righteous or judgmental. It just happens. First you walk by, then you stand by, and the next thing you know, you're sitting comfortable in the company of addiction. Romans 6, verse 16 says, don't you realize, don't you realize 
don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? But it's just a little thing. It's just one time. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or, here's the good news, you can choose to obey God, which leads to what? Righteous living or righteousness. Which one are you willing to be a slave to is basically what uh, Paul says in Romans. I love this. I love this. In Jeremiah, there's this wonderful passage, probably one of my favorite passages. And it says this, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop, and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me and found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out as he had hoped, and so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. And the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel, can I not do to you as this potter has done to this clay? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Isn't it good news that God works with us like a potter with clay? That he is willing to remake us over. I remember one time in high school, the shop class teacher was absent. I decided to go in there. It was pottery. I had never seen the potter's wheel before. So I was like, hey, let me get on this. This looks pretty cool. It just kind of spins around. I put a lump of clay on that. It started spinning the whole thing. And the thing flew off and hit a guy next to me. And I just said, I'm sorry, man, I've never done that before. Now, listen, I mean no disrespect, but I am looking out on a sanctuary filled with unfinished lumps of clay. All of us are. And in a few minutes, I'm going to interview somebody that, that has gone through this dark time of addiction. But I want to tell you something right now. It's going to be so easy for us to sit there smug saying, man, I'm glad I didn't go through that. But guess what? All of us have an addiction to something. All of us have had that kind of darkness plague us. Sometimes some of us know it. Some of us don't. But that darkness comes to each and every one of us. And God is willing to take you. Broken cisterns, incomplete, marred, rough, seated at the wheel of life, being shaped by the master's hand. God is willing to take each and every one of us and reshape us. The good news is in God's hand, you won't fly off the wheel. In God's hands, you could do some amazing things. Here's the thing that I've learned in my life. Regardless of our imperfections, in spite of our blemished hearts, in the master's hand, you and I have unlimited possibilities to experience awesomeness. Every single person in this room, doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter how old you are, it doesn't, doesn't matter where you are, if you're a girl or a boy, 
If you're a man or a woman, it, it, it doesn't matter what culture you're from, every single human being that has been created by God, and that's everybody in this room, has the awesome potential to do amazing things for the kingdom and for God. No matter how disfigured you may feel this morning. No matter how distorted you may consider yourself. No matter how imperfect or defective you think your life is right now. No matter how good you think you are at putting up the facade. But deep down inside, you know, people know. People see the imperfections. The master parter will fashion you into a bright, beautiful you, worthy of his glorious purpose. Do you believe that? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. All it takes is a little time. Blessed is the man who not only walks by God, stands by God, but sits with God. The Bible is filled with stories of lumps of ugly clay. Isn't it true? I mean, that's what I love about the Bible. It's not about perfect people doing perfect things. It's about lumps of ugly clay, scarred and broken by this cruel, sinful world, molded and sculptured by God to become noble, magnificent vessels of his kingdom. Christ is, listen carefully, Christ is in the business of taking the least likely people, the least likely people, sometimes with the least promising future, and molding them into the most capable and dynamic followers and difference makers for Jesus Christ. Right? If you don't believe me, I wish you knew me when I was a teenager. And then you'd be like, what? Who is this guy? What have you done with the Sergio I knew? And so from the Bible, I've learned that I'm made from the same clay as you, as them. In fact, uh, here's a verse that's not on the screen, but I, I want to read it to you. It's from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 6 through 7. It says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. For the God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. We have this treasure in what? Jars of clay. I love that. In this dirty, ugly jar of clay, there is a light that is shining to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So at this time, I would like to invite uh, my friend Charlie to meet me right over there in the front. He said, he said Serge, I don't have to walk up, up to the stage, do I? Because I may faint. Is there a microphone? Oh, here we go. The red one is for you. Charlie, how are you? Charlie's been coming to church here for about almost two years. And uh, Charlie, I know you've been through some dark times in your life. Absolutely, some of the darkest I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to highlight some meaningful events and circumstances in your life that when you were young, that kind of led you to this journey of addiction that you were in. Well, I was brought up uh, in a really dysfunctional uh, religious family, actually. Uh, my mother married a man who became a minister. He was supposed to be. Yeah, go ahead. He was supposed to be a minister, um, but he was a, a very sick human being, and... Uh, 
very abusive to my mom, to me. Um, it gave me a really bad taste for religion. Never turned my back on God through that, but. So, so when you were young, you saw some abusive stuff happening. Constant. Yeah. Uh, and, and some things happened as you got older uh, that caused you to want to escape that. Uh, what kind of escape did you decide on? I decided to use drugs of any kind as much as possible, um, drinking anything possible that I could just remove any kind of thought in my brain of anything that I didn't want to think about. How old were you when you started doing that? Fifteen. And how long were you addicted for? Over 20-some years. Over 20 years, wow. You know, most half of my, more than half of my adult life. I'm 61 now. now I know there were some de defining moments in your life that began to impact your, your, your journey. Can you share some of, can you highlight some of those defining moments for us? I'd be glad to tell you about one of the darkest times in my life um, as quick as I possibly can. Um, my mother found out she had cancer. Um, we had struggled back and forth through relationship most of our life. But anyway, she had come to me and asked me to please be with her um, the day of her operation. They were going to cut her head open. How old were you about at this time? Uh, probably uh, late 20s. Okay. Um, it really hit me really hard. I was really worried about it. Um, I promised my mom I'd be there for her surgery. Uh, that Thursday, that was supposed to be on a Friday. That Thursday night, I went out and uh, decided to do what I usually do, not to think and uh, drink, drug, whatever. Got so inebriated, uh, I could barely walk. Next thing I know, I was in a fight. And it was a gentleman who just said he was going to kill me. And uh, he proceeded to do almost a very good job at that. Uh, he cut me up pretty bad. Uh, hit a main artery, and blood went all over this guy. And that's what stopped him. He took off running. Somehow, a uh, gentleman came up and, uh, that I knew, drove up. I jumped in the car and taking me to the hospital, and he was freaking out, of course. <laughs> uh, blood, I never knew a person could bleed like that. And of course, when I saw that, I knew a person couldn't bleed like that very long. This is your blood? Yes. Uh, I was so drunk, I couldn't even get panicked. You know, I stayed calm. I uh, had the guy put a tourniquet on my arm. We were really lucky to be so close to a hospital. Uh, doctor later told me that um, a couple more minutes wouldn't have happened. Um, I got to the hospital, they rushed me into surgery. Bottom line, I woke up in intensive care, a lot of machines on. Um, didn't really know what was going on for a couple of days. I woke up, my brother was there, I knew something really bad. I started thinking about, I was supposed to be at my mom's for a surgery. And a few days had passed by. Yes. Okay. Um, I was just really upset about this so bad. I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I just disappointed her again because of my stupid addictions. And uh, on about the fourth day, I was sitting there. I was starting to become a little more conscious, you know, where I could understand things. Uh, they came in and told me I had a special visitor. <laughs> um, in came my mom. Uh, her head was all bandaged up. <laughs> she was in a wheelchair. Uh, she had made them take her from her hospital to my hospital because she wanted to make sure I was all right. Excuse me. <laughs> that was a really tough time. My mom forgave me. 
God forgave me. I've never been able to forgive myself. It's just uh, stuck in my gut always. And uh, I hope I can forgive myself for that one day. But I almost lost my life and did the most horrible thing to disappoint my mother I could have ever done. So you quit right then and there, right? Absolutely not. There were many years to come. You would think that something that tragic would make anybody stand up and go, that's enough. Uh, no, there were many more years to go. But another situation a few years later, my mom is finally coming to her death with this cancer. I, again, I had had little bouts of cleanliness, uh, but I stayed using drugs. Um, I started using heroin again. Didn't know, I didn't think anybody knew. I went to see my mom. She only had a few days left to live. Uh, I went in, it was just her and I, and she pulled me close. She couldn't talk very well, and she asked me, son, I need you to please stop. I said, I'm not doing anything, mom. She just looked me dead in my eyes. She said, yes, you are. I went that evening to a place where I was from, well known for drug rehab. I admitted myself. I went back to the hospital so I could tell my mom. And I knew that she at least got to pass away, knowing that I was trying because she wanted so badly for me to get better, man. From that point on, it started my journey. It lasted many years. Uh, rehab after rehab, you know, trying, you know, praying to God. I never turned my back on God. I knew that he was there. I just thought I wasn't worthy. I thought I'd just really used up all my credits with him. Uh, but I found out differently. Amen. Um, so, so this whole time, your connection with God never, never, you never said, well, there must be no God. You, the whole time, you, you always knew there was a God, and you always prayed to him. Always. Yeah. Always. I just thought that because of what I had done, the way I had lived, that he just wasn't hearing me anymore. Hmm. And uh, that is never true. <laughs> God always hears you. Uh, Amen. I will say this to anybody who is having any trouble with addiction. Yeah. No matter how bad you think about yourself, don't you ever give up on yourself. It took me years and years and years. Amen. And how long have you been clean now? Over 20 years. Over 20 years. Amen, right? <laughs> and... And you've been coming here for almost two years, you and Jackie. Jackie, do you, uh, let me embarrass you. Do you mind standing up for a second? This is, just one second. Just stand up for one second. Come on, you can do it. She can't hear me? Oh, okay. Could you stand up for one second? There you go. Yes, very good. You can tell she's kind of shy, right? <laughs> but uh, they've been coming to church here for almost two years. And uh, you shared something with me uh, just a little while ago. And I, I want you to, how is your, how has how your experience at the Richland Sunday Adventist Church changed the way you see Jesus and the way you see believers? And um, I had moved to Washington. I thought I was coming out here for a job. Um, found out later God had directed me something else. Um, I, I had always, you know, kept drawing, trying to draw closer to my relationship with God, but I always felt there was this one thing missing. I didn't know what it was. I was constantly searching for it. I'd go to churches in Virginia where I'm from. That's where I get this. Accent. Sultan, <laughs> um, I thought you were Italian. Yeah. <laughs> just, just never could um, 
just couldn't ever get it. I tried, you know, I said to listen and talk to people. Um, we met some people here, greatest people I've ever met in my life. Um, and they invited us to church. My wife came, she came home, asked me to come, and I was like, well, I'll go to satisfy her. I just want everybody to know when I came here, I've never been so embraced in my life. I've never been, I've never felt so close to so many people that I barely knew. And I finally found that peace that I was missing. I did. I found it here. And now I finally know that I am complete and that I know God loves me without a doubt and I will go to heaven. Amen. I'll never forget. Yeah, amen. I'll never forget when you told me that, uh, that uh, the people in this church have restored your faith in humanity. Is that, is I, absolutely. That? I, That's I, pretty cool. I just yeah. got into a place where I just didn't believe people had in them anymore, you know, where they just did kind things and just for no reason other than to, to do the right thing. And, uh, and if, you, if you come to church here uh, and, and you see Charlie, especially during uh, lunchtime, one of the things you'll notice, in fact, you'll see it today if you stay for lunch, uh, somebody will come around, and his name is Charlie, and they'll be like, can I get you some water? <laughs> he's got a real servant hat. He's giving water to everybody, and it's a wonderful thing to, to watch. I mean, I, from, from the day one, he's been doing that. And one of the things that he does is he serves, uh, he comes early. We have a, a, a men's ministry group every Sunday morning, yeah. and it's a good group. Uh, in fact, come on out. We, it's always the last Sunday of the month. We'd love to have you out there. Uh, we've, had, we've had up to 30 people come out, 35 people come out, and it's just growing every time. It's a wonderful thing. But he comes a little early to uh, flip pancakes. And we, we've given him uh, a nickname called Flipper. And uh, he didn't know I was going to do this, but I, I want to I put up these two pictures. We, we presented him. And one of those uh, with this huge spatula, and, it, and on it, you can't see it, but it says Flipper on it, and it says to Charlie, and from us, from Faith Builders, Men's Ministry, Charlie, you have no idea what it means to us uh, when, when you spend that time with us uh, on, on, on a Sunday morning to help us uh, make sure that, that breakfast is ready for these guys. You have no idea how it makes me feel be there it's something I've never done like this before um, it, it's I leave there every time feeling like a new man amen he's he's walking around going I don't know what is wrong with me I'm crying all the time what's what's the matter with me it's, I tried really it's hard a wonderful thing. and by the way uh, first of all thank you Charlie for taking the time to, to, to be here and having the courage to come up and share uh, Charlie yeah, amen it's standing ovation right if you're not standing now, you may want to stand for this moment. Charlie and Jackie have just made a decision to be baptized the last Sabbath of May. Amen? This is, yeah, there you go. That's what I want to see. Amen. Don't be afraid. Yeah. That's awesome. I'll ask the worship team to come up. As I share with you this one last quote from Romans. And it goes like this. Thank God. Amen? How many of you want to say thank God? Once, Charlie, you were a slave of sin. But now, Charlie, you wholeheartedly obey the teachings that 
God has given you. Now you are free because of Jesus Christ from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to the righteous living. I love that. I love that. Every one of us, whether we ever been addicted to drugs or whether we've been addicted to gossip or whether we've been addicted to judgmentalism or whether we've been addicted to any of the things that we talked about, every one of us can find that serenity and peace and that freedom in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the light that shines in the darkness. Thank you for the freedom that you've given us, Lord. Thank you that we are no longer slaves, but that we are free in you. Thank you, Lord, for the awesome gifts that you've given uh, all these individuals that have participated today. We pray, Lord, that you bless them in a special way for coming and serving. Be with us, Lord, as we move into the next phase of our Sabbath time together. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.